Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Philip Fairbanks. We talked back November 6, 2020, about a book he just published, an excellent book. The title of that book was Pedogate Primer, The Politics, Politics of Pedophilia. And his website is his full name, philfairbanks.com. You can see it on the screen here on YouTube. But I was looking around. I've done some research recently, and I've had this consistent kind of name pop up over and over of MK Ultra. So I was did an interview uh, with somebody about the killing of Martin Luther King. And uh, the author's name was, let's see, I can't remember right now, but it, the book was Who Really Killed MLK? And MK Ultra popped up. So I was like, oh, I didn't know that James Earl Ray was affiliated with the MK Ultra program. And then I've been looking through some other stuff and I watched this Video. I know about Sirhan Sirhan. I've interviewed Lisa Peace, who might have the number one book about that case and his whole MK Ultra connection. And then I really watched a really good video, which I can post here and I'll post in the show notes. I recommend people check it out. It's the title of it on YouTube is Can You Be Programmed to Kill on Command? Sirhan's fascinating story. And it's put together by Chase Hughes, who, um, runs the behavior panel and then you, have, you need to check out the behavior panel too, which oh, wow. is uh, really family, really, really fantastic. Uh, how these guys can put people together. So it's really kind of about human behavior, but it's also about our history. It's kind of like a lost history is this MK ultra, which I doing some research, but it's a long thing. And it also pops up in, in chaos. So I interviewed Tom O'Neill about operation chaos and Jolly West, but we can talk more about that. So Philip Fairbanks, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. So for people who may not have heard our earlier interview, can you kind of talk about your background? And you had done an interview about this subject of MK Ultra, which is why I reached out to you. Can, can you talk about that? Then we can kind of. Oh, yeah. Into yeah. Some of the details. Well, you know, honestly, uh, I think MK Ultra was probably one of those like turning points. I was I was 18 when I first learned about it. I had recently turned 18, uh, you know, and. I don't know. It's as soon like when I first heard about well, the CIA did mind control experiments with LSD, and I heard it from a guy who was like an acid head. So I'm like, this guy's making this stuff up. This guy's crazy. And then I look it up. I look up MK Ultra, and well, that's all she wrote. Um, it was definitely a major turning point for me. Uh, I think there are some things that you can learn that once you kind of wake up to that. It colors everything else, you know, you'll see to date. Uh, and M <clears throat> MK Ultra was definitely, uh, definitely the case for me. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I, uh, I've been interested in for years. And, and one of the things is, you know, uh, everybody gets hung up on the, the LSD stuff and, the, you know, and that's a big part of it. But I think it's a lot bigger than that. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that the cultural control, uh, stuff like, you know, the uh, the CCF, the Congress for uh, Cultural Freedom and, you know, the Human Ecology Fund, right. uh, you know, working in anthropology. And, you know, there's a whole lot more to it than just, you know, uh, Kentuckians up for seven days straight on LSD. Right. Uh, and, you know, all that stuff's really interesting, too. But, you know, especially in recent years, that and uh, another thing that I'm really fascinated by is noticing these institutes 
these institutions that pop up over and over again, you know, uh, universities, often they'll have a BSL-3 or BSL-4 lab. Uh, you know, th that's another thing that I see a lot, you know, the connection between like Stargate and MKUltra, the connection between biological warfare and MKUltra. Uh, you know, there's all these little tangents. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a whole lot more than, than just LSD experimentation, though. I agree. Can you talk about those two things, the Human Ecology Fund and the CCF, because they do tie into just how broad and vast MK Ultra was. People don't know, but it had tons of subparts, right? So oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like, you know, over 100 subprojects. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing started out as Project Bluebird, then later became uh, Project Artichoke. And then in 1953, uh, it became MK Ultra and all those, you know, different subprojects. Uh, but, you know, uh, apart from the, you know, awful human experimentation and whatnot, uh, there was a huge cultural control element. You know, you've got a, a mockingbird where we have, you know, uh, basically, you know, folks embedded within the media, uh, you know, editors and owners of newspapers and magazines, reporters running their stories by the CIA, uh, even after the church committee. Uh, hearings, you know, uh, uh, Bernstein, Carl Bernstein wrote the piece at Rolling Stone about the, the CIA uh, uh, using reporters because a lot of that was held back. You know, they, they were fine with letting people know, oh, yeah, you know, we, we dose people with LSD without their knowledge. We did these awful experiments, but they wanted to keep that part secret. Uh, even when the church committee. So that tells me that that's that's important stuff. You know, the Paris Review uh, Kenyan Review, all these major like literary and art journals uh, are, are getting CIA money through front organizations. Um, you know, the, the Human Ecology Fund, SRI, uh, you know, the, that's just, uh, just a couple of uh, uh, examples. I also recently uh, read an article by uh, Julian Assange from WikiLeaks on the take and loving it uh, when I was looking up the Human Ecology Fund because uh, once again, the, the stuff that they were doing in the social sciences and anthropology, uh, stuff like Stanley Milgram's conformity experiment, or the, excuse me, Solomon Ash conformity experiment, uh, the uh, Stanley Milgram uh, consent to authority experiment, Philip Zimbardo's Stanford prison experiment, all this kind of research, you know, and even going back to like, you know, uh, Dr. Watson and baby Albert. You know, a lot of this, you know, early behaviorism stuff. Uh, and then, you know, so that was Carl all Watson. financed by MKUltra or through the CIA? Uh, now, the, uh, Watson and whatnot, that comes a little earlier. And that's another that's another issue that uh, that I think is worth bringing up. You know, the the received history of MKUltra is what happened was we had these, uh, you know, soldiers who were brainwashed by the North Koreans. And so now we know that they've got this technology and we've got we've got to get it ourselves. Now, I don't buy that story, because if you look at the Wendell Johnson monster experiment, if you look at G.H. Estabrooks, we were already working on this stuff in the 30s and 40s. Right. Um, you know, we like to blame it on the Nazis. Oh, well, you know, that was just human experimentation. The Nazis were doing and when they were brought over in Project Paperclip by the CIA. No, we were already some of the, the experiments that were going on in the U.S. inspired the Nazis before they got imported uh, after Nuremberg. Um, 
so so yeah the uh the the complicity of academia is is a big part of this it really is the media um you know like and once again people think mind control they don't think how subtle mind control can be and i think that the cultural element i think that's the reason why um you know there's so much emphasis on just the lsd stuff because the cultural control element that's where it gets really really subversive right right no that's a great point and calling it mind control is like calling something cooking it's a general term so i mean there's so many sub points about shaping history shaping culture like you said in the human ecology fund i think that comes into timothy leary when he was at harvard i think that he got money from the human ecology fund for lsd and uh i mean there's just so many players can you talk about some of the main names like you talked about esther brooks and was it the uh, quiet room or whatever the silent room can you talk about what he was up to up oh, there? Do you, right. are you familiar well, with that story yeah yeah gh esther brooks um ruined the mind of candy jones uh candy jones was an unfortunate subject who uh you know esther brooks was looking on a way to create like basically a perfect spy who wouldn't fold or buckle under torture you can keep torturing them but they don't have the information until you say the secret code word um and you know it's really interesting to me because uh esther brooks was uh you know he's uh he's influential to some of the people who would be involved in the false memory syndrome foundation as well which, which is, is in the news you know, today which is in the yeah, news today. Which, yeah. considering the whole idea of creating a dissociative uh uh disorder where you have you know the the personality splits and you have these specific alters that's literally the idea of dissociative identity disorder which oddly enough the false memory people are very against they're like no that that can't be done (laughs) so it you know it does make you wonder why you know guys like morris west uh, or Lewis West and yeah, Lewis uh, Jolly yeah. and West. That's how people Lewis know. Jolly and West. Which, by the way, I recently got. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to email those to you. I got a couple of PDFs. I'm collecting some stuff from the uh, UCLA's Library Special Collection, and um, you know, just really fascinating stuff. I've got a couple of folders so far. One on the uh, his work with cults and the Cult Awareness Network, and uh, also oh, so he was with Can too. Yes, he was was everywhere. He was everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonestown, Scientology, Charles Manson, um, Jack Ruby, Timothy McVeigh, um, Patty Hearst, Patty Hearst. Yeah, (laughs) over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really, it's really, really uh, suspicious where this guy shows up. But sorry to interrupt you because you mentioned the false memory syndrome. Syndrome Foundation. I want to put up on YouTube this document from 1994, and it details the executive directors and some of the people on the professional advisory board. And if you look on the bottom, it says Lewis Jolly and West, mm-hmm. right? But other names there, and some of these are like the usual suspects: Richard Offshee, Martin mm-hmm. Orn, um, and the kicker is. Elizabeth Loftus. And do you know where Elizabeth yeah. Loftus is? And absolutely. Yeah. I've uh I've actually spoken with her. I've oh, I've corresponded a little bit. Um yeah. And where Elizabeth... is she? Tell the audience where she is. <laughs> I think she just got done testifying in defense of Ghislaine Maxwell. There you go. Uh and and you know, I saw somebody pointed out on Twitter the other day. It's you know, it's kind of mind-blowing to think that 
the woman who uh, defended Ted Bundy when he was just up on kidnapping charges before he broke out of jail and killed more women, that was Elizabeth Loftus. Um, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson, uh, Bill Cosby, uh, you know, just all the you know, Woody Allen, uh, Harvey Weinstein. You know, I remember talking to her uh, and uh, I was asking if the hate mail uh, had subsided. And she's like, well, you know, I I was in the defense of a very unpopular person. And I'm like, but you very sure unpopular. You mean Harvey Weinstein, yeah. right? Like, you know, and I honestly kind of feel bad for her a little bit because I don't know if she realizes that in a post Me Too world, defending, and I know, you know, the, the, the party line is I'm not defending them. I'm just entering the science into the courtroom. Okay, fine. But you're also being paid by the defense of awful people. So you are technically defending them. Yeah, she has uh, a choice. She doesn't have to do it. That's oh, yeah, yeah. She has a choice. But it's, it's 650 to 750 an hour. You know, uh, I encourage people who are interested, check out the uh, the cross-examination uh, in the Robert Durst trial. It is, it is fascinating stuff. And I, I honestly don't think she gets, though, how much this is going to hurt her, uh, you know, legacy. Right. Uh, because, you know, I, I don't think... I think maybe she's misled on some things. Uh, I think she's been used by some bad people, but I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of the science. I disagree with how it's applied and generalized. Like the she did the Lost in the Mall study, and What's that? Uh, you describe know, that. What's the Lost? The in Lost the in the Mall study. They they were trying to implant false memories in people of being lost in a mall when they're a kid. Um, and then they wanted to apply that to, you know, can people be implanted with false memories of abuse? Now, one big problem with this, there's another study that they did where instead of being lost in a mall, they said, you know, oh, yeah, you got you, you had uh, your th uh, the thermo or rectal thermometer. You had your temperature taken rectally. Uh, and it was a lot harder to convince people that something had penetrated their orifice than that they'd been lost in the mall. Lost in a mall, that's easy. You can convince somebody that they were lost in a mall and they'll start remembering the person who found them if a trusted family member or something starts talking about it. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I do believe that there's there's a lot to, uh, you know, uh, what what she's done. It's, you know, applicable. It's it's good science. I just disagree with how it's, it's kind of applied towards the idea of abuse because traumatic memory doesn't work the same as regular memory, um, you know, and the, the, like, that's one of the things when I talked to her, uh, you know, we were talking about like pregnancy. There are people who go into fugue states during pregnancy. Um, there are, you know, soldiers uh, who have, you know, memory blocks and memory loss due to trauma. Um, you know, she argued that it's kind of apples to oranges there and that there's other factors like, oh, they didn't get enough sleep and there's traumatic brain injury, maybe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a lot of that kind of thing is happening in a case of, you know, physical or sexual abuse, too. If you're living with someone who's abusing you, you might, you know, you might not get enough sleep and you might also be being physically abused. And, you know, so uh, if it applies there. I, I do believe that uh, you could get a similar kind of state of, you know, uh, memory loss or more so a memory block, I think, 
because uh, you know um, there's some things that I believe that our brain does try to protect us from, uh, uh, and uh, for whatever reasons, though. And, and by the way, Loftus uh, also was a consultant for the CIA. Martin Orne, who's tied to MK Ultra, was uh, was the one who invited her onto the scientific advisory board. So. You know, uh, there there are a lot of people who I would call like MK Ultra adjacent. Michael Persinger is another one, by the way. Uh, he uh, he he developed this helmet uh, with these electrodes that would stimulate the uh, temporal lobe, which you know, in in like some people who are mystics and some people who are artists sometimes have issues with their temporal lobe, which causes you know some. Uh, strange mental phenomenon. So, you know, he was able to kind of like simulate something like a religious experience using electrodes. And, you know, I, I find that really interesting because it, it reminds me of, you know, Nexium did some weird like MK Ultra style uh, experiments, which I, I honestly believe that that cults were probably uh, or at least possibly used uh, within MK Ultra, I think right. I think that, uh, uh, that, that it, yeah, uh, you know, um, it it blows my mind how uh, Doctor West, you know, I'm reading through all these letters he's sending, trying to get donation money for uh, Cult Awareness Network, which ended up being taken over by Scientologists later. That's that's an interesting side note to the uh, folder I've got. You, you see that happening like in real time. Uh, but it, it blows my mind because he's talking about all these coercive cults and the things that they do. And I'm like, are you, is your issue really just the competition? Because what these cults are doing is not worse than what the MK Ultra scientists were doing with psychic driving and sleep right. deprivation and all this literal mental torture. And as, speaking of sleep deprivation, that's another one of the most interesting things about these folders I'm getting from the special collection is seeing um the original typewritten documents and then seeing what was changed afterwards like for instance at one point dr west is talking about uh what is it um uh, uh <clears throat> he's talking about how uh you know sleep deprivation is helpful for extracting uh, uh extracting information and then it's like crossed out and it says effective and I'm, you know, I really wonder if that was him or his secretary who was like, no, we probably shouldn't say torture is helpful. <laughs> you know? right. No, but it's here's like, the thing. It's like he would, West would write stuff that he clearly knew. That yeah. He, I oh, mean, so like yeah. there was a paper that he wrote in 1965 titled The Dangers of Hypnosis, which he said dangerous mm -hmm. groups led by crackpots who will hypnotize their followers into violent criminality. He knows that's happening because he's doing it. Right. Whereas, like, yeah, the yeah. Doing it. So that's the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned Sirhan Sirhan earlier. Sirhan uh, joined the Rosicrucians and was hypnotized. And the Rosicrucians told him, write down all your thoughts in this notebook and do mirror gazing exercises. Um, right. and, you know, I, I really do believe that, like, I don't believe Sirhan Sirhan killed uh, RFK. I don't either. I believe that he was there. In order to shoot a bunch of, you know, to shoot a gun and have everyone look at him so that the people who actually did it got away. You know, uh, he was seen on a range with the woman in a polka dot dress. And that same woman uh, shows up 
at the assassination. There were more bullets fired than were in Sirhan's gun. The bullets that went through RFK were a different caliber. But of course, the LAPD lost the door. They lost, they burnt the pictures. You know, just a coincidence. Kind of like a huge cover, huge evidentiary cover up in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they didn't even like, they didn't even try that hard, it feels like. Like, you know, if you're going to do a cover up, you should cover up the fact that you covered it up. But no, we know how many shots were fired because you can hear it. And there are still some surviving pictures where we see how many bullet holes are in the wall and the ceiling. Right. So No, there's all kinds of problems with that. And Lisa Peace yeah. actually said that she thought that he was a selected and he disappeared for like 10 days or two weeks or something. And they, she thinks that's where he might have gone to be programmed in yeah. L.A., which we know... These guys were around at that time. There were two yeah, yeah. Uh, West was at UCLA, the uh, yeah. neurobiology or neuropsychiatry right. department. Yeah, psychiatric yeah. institute, yeah. Yep. From 1969 <laughs> to 1989 was when he was there. But there was another character whose name I can't remember who was also doing this stuff. His name was, oh, man, I can't remember it right now. But there was another guy around L.A. who was another one of these doctors. and uh, But Lisa Peace said that Sirhan Sirhan was probably selected, but she thought that they placed or somebody placed in all the opportunities of where Robert Kennedy was going to go out of the Ambassador Hotel, that there were different teams there with different patsies. Can you believe that? Right. So they were going to get him one way or the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of similar with the, the JFK assassination. It's likely that there were at least a couple of attempts around that same time. Um, oh, they tried to kill him in Chicago and Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they definitely weren't going to leave anything up to chance. They were going to wait until the perfect moment. They had all their contingency plans uh, blocked out. Uh, And the whole bit about the cover up, you know, that's MKUltra too. Project Mockingbird, you know, the the control of the media, because people believe that if a story is that big, it will get out. Well, it's not going to get out if all the mainstream press is under the auspices of the CIA. Then if there's a a, a CIA hit or, you know, I mean, you know, even with uh, John Lennon, uh, the the guy at the door, uh, you know, his doorman uh, had some CIA connections, like going all the way back to Kennedy and the Cuba stuff. It's, you know. Right. No, uh, the guy was a Cuban immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd who'd done some work with like he was he was potentially tied to the CIA stuff. It's it's uh, it's mind blowing. Uh, let me, I'm going to play this video. Let me play the end of oh, this yeah. video of uh, Chase Hughes talking about can you be programmed to kill on command? Sirhan's fascinating story. Let's partnering with the mob. Yeah, we know that also for a fact. So investigators tell us that this ranch where Sirhan worked as a stable boy, the operator of this ranch had ties to the mafia and that the mafia in turn had links to the CIA from their work together trying to kill Cuba's Fidel Castro. And then in Pasadena, Sirhan met a guy only known as Radio Man. And he's this guy who Sirhan met that shared Sirhan's amazing interest in shortwave radios. And they believe that Radio Man used what they call walking coercive persuasion and what they say is, quote, possibly hypnosis, end quote, to control Sirhan. An investigator wrote the statements about killing RFK 
written in Mr. Searhan's spiral notebooks, which Searhan did not remember writing, quote, were written by Mr. Searhan in a hypnotic state and while communicating with a third party over his shortwave radio, and thus were coercively and involuntarily induced. Over the next two years, Searhan began visiting firing ranges not far from the ranch uh, with guidance from this radio man on how to shoot at targets. And he spent about six hours at the range on the day of the assassination. So if you're able to hypnotically program somebody to completely forget an entire event, also make them commit murder under hypnosis, and even make them act on command from a pinch on the neck by a woman in a polka dot dress, you think you might be able to make them also write something in a journal. I'm just saying. So let's, let's dissect how this all could have worked. Hypnosis is largely about three main things. Dissociation, suggestibility, and focus. And as focus becomes sharpened onto a single thing, hopefully the hypnotist or the hypnotist voice, suggestibility continues to escalate, as does dissociation. Dissociation is just separation from self, like feeling like your conscious mind and unconscious mind are two different entities. And children who grow up with trauma get really good at dissociation. And some people might mistakenly call this compartmentalization, but that's a completely another show we can do on that. Searhan in descriptions from every expert who's interviewed him, even in the opinion of the prosecution's expert witness, had no mental issues. He was the ideal candidate, not just for hypnosis, but full-on programming with on-demand amnesia, just kind of just jabbed into the software. So this is a story about the inexplicable things a country will do to maintain power while they're calling power peace. And the after effects of the MKUltra program, I'm sure will be felt by thousands of people for decades to come. It literally changed history. But here's the really scary part to me. The mind control program officially ended in 1973 when a congressman yanked back the curtain on this whole thing, figured it out, and was super pissed off. But every time a giant conspiracy gets revealed, even with Eric Snowden's big reveal, we get told that it's all in the past. And for the last 250 years, we're continually reassured that nothing like this happens anymore until something else gets exposed. So Sirhan has been in prison for 51 years at the time that I'm making this video for you. And the board has just now recommended him for parole. There's a lot of evidence I didn't cover in this video. My goal was to show what's possible, not what necessarily happened. All right, sorry about that. That was uh, probably went pretty long, but I think that's really interesting. So it tells you kind of what's going on with Sirhan. I recommend people watch that whole thing too, by the way. And you know, it, it also, that whole case reminds me so much of Hinckley. The phony must right. die, says the catcher in the rye, right down to being encouraged to write down your thoughts in a notebook, which incidentally, coincidentally, would later be, uh, well, look, see, it says here that, uh, right. excuse me, not Hinckley, but Chapman. 
uh, John Chapman, Mark right? Chapman. Right. Yeah, the phony misguided is the catcher in the right. But yeah, I, I I believe that Chapman and Hinckley were also likely uh, Sirhan style. You know, I mean, like you start sounding crazy when you start talking you about Manchurian candidates. Yeah, but right. I think that's why. What year did that movie come out? Right Which around one? the same time as Bluebird. You know what I'm saying? Which like, movie? Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, 1963. Yeah, it came out right before, right before Kennedy's assassination. You know, like a year or two before Kennedy's assassination. Um, I, I, th I think that uh, sometimes can you can you like still that, get closer to your mic. You oh, sound yeah, like you're yeah. talking from the other side of the room. Yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, movies like that and stuff like Stranger Philip, Things. Philip, Philip, can you get closer to your microphone? Um. Yeah. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine, but you sound like you're talking from the other side of the room. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. You sounded better before I did that. I don't know. Oh, I don't know what happened. I don't either. Uh, uh, but, uh, well, sorry about that. Hold on. Can you just shove it closer to your mouth? Uh, yeah. Is, is this any better? No. No? Oh, my gosh. I don't know what's going on. I don't either. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, you you do start to sound crazy, but when you put everything together, there's like almost every assassination has some kind of MK person. And uh, one of the things that kind of came to my attention was the name of James Earl Ray. I never knew that he was kind of an MK person. I had no well, idea. He, and he was he was also I'm tied with him. with gun running. Right, but do you know that he was let out of jail? Like he had some kind of strange thing where he got let out of jail in 67? Oh, wow. No, yeah. no I did not know that. Yeah. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, but it was Chuck Tolson, so it was the lover of uh, oh, the guy, the head of the FBI. What was his name? Tolson. And, uh, uh, Hoover? Hoover, yeah. So yeah. Tolson paid off somebody at the warden of Missouri State Prison to get James O'Ray out because he was selected. Oh, wow. And he had some mystery guy, just like Radio Man. He had Raul, remember? So mm -hmm. some kind of person who was never named was his handler, and he was probably MK'd. I mean, it's crazy. That's, a, that's another thing. You know, you mentioned the mafia. You mentioned the Cuban connection. The, they really do like to use the same networks over and over again. And uh, incidentally, you'll see these same networks used for drug running, for human trafficking, for gun running, it's you know, it's right. it's it's the same guys over and over again doing these same things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I definitely believe that. Like like the the Hinkley thing. I mean, come on, how do you buy the story of George H W Bush has never worked in intelligence, and then they go, okay, we're just gonna make you the king of the CIA now? They don't do that. You don't become the head of the CIA with no intelligence background. So what we know then is that he's got some intelligence background we don't hear about, which is maybe why he was in Dallas on that day that Correct. Kennedy died. Um, but, you know, and, and then when when Reagan was nearly assassinated, I do believe that that was a hit. I believe that the that Reagan was supposed to die and Bush was supposed to become president. And when he didn't, that's, you know, that that's why you end up with, uh, you know, George W. Bush. His brother helps him steal the election in Florida. What a coincidence, you know, like they, they weren't going to let that go. They 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 got uh, put back, 
maybe a decade or so. Uh, but but that whole bit, and and once again, this is like uh, it's there's certain families too. It's not just institutions. There are certain families, uh, you know, like the 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 Bushes and the Hermans and you know the Rockefellers. Uh, the the church the church committee hearings uh, are are you know connected to the the Rockefeller Commission. Which is why there was such a cover-up uh, when MK Ultra did finally come to light. That's why you know it it, it took a while, uh, another uh, year or so, or a few years or so, before Bernstein, you know, kind of uh, blew the lid wide open on the rest of uh, Mockingbird and right. and how much the the media was complicit in this. Right, yeah, it's incredible. And uh, Reagan had just started his presidency, if you remember. Yeah, I think he was like uh, only in in office for two months so like the chief benefit it's simple it's just old and we're stuff. at the Quite height of the cold war right. you know yeah and of course hinkley was a friend of the bush family like uh one of the one bushes of the, yeah one of the sons was having dinner, dinner with them yes yeah. exactly royal family i mean all kinds of stuff what? yeah what a coincidence um hinkley by the way you know he's on twitter now right no he's uh no. he he is a folk singer and he shares his music on YouTube and uh, oh, Spotify man. and Twitter now. Wow. Uh, it's 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 kind of bizarre, you know. I don't know. There, uh, of course, obviously, a lot of people make the same tired old joke. I love your work from the '80s over and over again, which was maybe funny the first time, but like, no, seriously, come on, get give Hinkley a break. <laughs> He's already spent decades in prison. Just let him live his life now. Uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Have you ever heard of Darren Brown? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, this is good. This guy does mind tricks too. He does hypnotism on people. People can check this stuff out. But he literally like ran a fake video game where he hypnotized a guy to think that he had been transported into the video game. It was oh, wow. incredible. You want to watch this? It's, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can do this. So he, this is it. He finally, this guy is hypnotizable. So I'm going to play this. I'll move it forward, but watch this. Watch the flashes. Put a couple of flashes in now. Again. Another flash. Always going. One more. Oh man! I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go in. See, I don't think this is fake. I think this guy knows how to do this, Darren Brown. I'm Darren Brown. We've been filming you playing the game. What's his name? David. That's fine. Just do exactly what I asked you to do. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. Right back. Right back. Just have to go. You follow me up. All right, you just give me a hand getting him up on the trolley. Grab his feet. They drag him and put him into a room. This is crazy. Yeah, the implications of that are pretty scary. Yeah, watch. And then they wake him up. There he comes up. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That is seriously scary. Some people, there's a hypnotism like scale 
or some people are hyper suggestible. Yeah, and there's a genetic, yeah, there's a genetic uh, element to that as well. Yeah. Uh, some people are, are are going to be more susceptible. Some people, uh, even if you're a you know, really skilled hypnotist, it's it's not going to work. Yeah, they just can't do it. I think Sirhan Sirhan was on the far end of the spectrum. Oh, yes. He just yeah, was yeah. super su suggestible. It goes on. You can watch this. I'll put this in the show. Oh, wow. But they just they just put him right back out. He had no idea. Watch this. Watch. They brought him, brought him out of the hypnotism. He had no idea. Watch this. Let's wake him up. Really into it. Is it going to be put in pubs? Or is it? Yeah, it's a sort of a, it's a prototype we're trying to develop it. No, it was good. It was good. I, I liked it. It was really know, exciting. It's realistic. I don't, shooting them and I die. You know, like you say you got to keep shooting them, and then and then when they keep coming up again, so I don't know. I loved it. I just felt like I don't know each of them. Usually in a game, it's just a game, it's just a cartoon. I just felt I had to kill each and every one of them. I had to. Oh, you had no uh, idea. Yeah, the sound it all adds up to. It. I don't know what you've done. If it's uh, the colours or something, but yeah, uh, give me the gun. <laughs> yeah, you should watch the Darren Darren stuff. It's good. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people probably discount hypnotism because you know, oh, it seems hokey or silly. And like you said, different people are different and there's a genetic element to it. But some people are not very hypnotizable, some hardly at all, some not at all. But some are highly suggestive. And, you know, I, I when I was uh, my, my uh, freshman year in college, I, I was really interested in, you know, NLP and stuff like this. I got into hypnotism for a right. short time and it was like a party trick. It was a parlor trick I do with, you know with uh my my, my dorm mates uh or, or people hanging out and uh, uh one thing that i noticed like you know uh, i would put somebody under and i'd ask them to go back to a memory that they wanted to relive and uh, a couple of times however it was like you know one of my roommates wants to see his granddad for the last time and these are you know 18 19 year old like frat boys reduced to tears when they come to, you know what I mean? Because right. they just saw their granddad. Like they remembered what shorts they were wearing when they were eight, you know? Right. Uh, then, then I tried one with, uh, with a girl who came over and was hanging out with us. Uh, I did not know that she had seen her best friend shot and killed recently. <laughs> and she relived that moment. 
And that was the last time I ever attempted hypnosis because it is not something to play with. <laughs> I'll just put it that like I didn't know what, you know, what to do. Like, you know, it's this, there's this girl and she's crying because she's just, then she thanked me. She was like, thank you for that. You know, uh, she said she felt like some closure and it's like, okay, that's great. But I don't know what I'm doing with this. And it's dangerous to play with people's heads. So that was the last time I ever attempted uh, hypnosis. It's it's powerful stuff, especially uh, for some people. It's definitely not definitely not a toy. It's not. It's a technique, right? I mean, it's just mm -hmm. like depending. It's really dependent upon the hypnotist as well, because right. some people are going to, to hypnotic psychotherapy, right, for their benefit, right, to stop smoking mm -hmm. or drinking or something, right. And there's stories also that I pulled up. I remember that some people go to a hypno hypnotherapist and they get raped like there oh, are yeah. some doctors are raping people there's one guy who got busted this is just one story but there was another one i gotta where yeah bad things happen and that there was another guy can't remember his name but he was in la and he used hypnotists hypnotism in bars to get women i was oh wow yeah. yeah that he knew how to do it and there is uh the speaking of, there was a guy that uh, bragged about uh, having hypnotized Sirhan Sirhan. Um, Frank Olson, the guy who was uh, right. shoved out of a window uh, after being dosed with LSD. He was uh, uh, he was having some, you know, after they dosed him, he was he was already having a crisis of conscience over the biological warfare research. Right. Um, and so they sent him to a psychiatrist. Who hypnotized him the problem is the psychiatrist was an allergist named harold abramson who worked with uh mk ultra wow. he was an allergist he was he worked at an allergy clinic at mount sinai which was one of the many uh institutes that was used uh to run uh these these uh you know human experiments uh but yeah yeah hypnosis but he was one of the first victims too 1953 yes or absolutely like yeah yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they they tried to make it look like suicide. In fact, around the same time that MKUltra was being developed uh, was when they were trying to find ways uh, to assassinate someone and make it look like they did it themselves. So they were really testing multiple things at once with Frank Olson. They were testing assassination methods. They were testing MKUltra. They were testing the uh, LSD uh, element of MK Ultra, you know, just all this stuff at once. I feel like um, the, when the CIA does this stuff, they they really don't waste a bit of, you know, uh, it, they use every bit of bone and flesh uh, when they when they uh, have an operation. It's usually uh, usually there's multiple operatives uh, uh, at, at the same time that are being, you know, uh, worked on when, right. whenever any one of these, there's, they're probably working on something else as well. Right. This right now is the report of psychiatric examination of Jack Ruby, 26th of April, 1964. So it's about six months after, um, so this is by, this is a document put together by Jolly West. And for some reason, I mean, I don't know how this this happened, but he was allowed into and talked to Jack Ruby. And this was what his final designation. 
Jack Ruby is technically insane at this time. He is not yeah. capable of cooperating intelligently in his own defense. Wow, that's really fortunate. Well, when you're done with him, of course. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Right. Yeah. In fact, Ruby was claiming that they were injecting him with things to kill him, and right. then he died of cancer after he was crazy and nobody would believe him. Right. <laughs> so and the when, same thing happened to, to uh, Rudolph Hess. He said he was getting treatment the same way. Some poor thing. Mm. They were putting stuff in his food, which, you know, he had to eat. And, uh, yeah, there were real questions about how how insane Hess was, but he claimed the same thing. But, the yeah, this is super This is super fortunate for the government and conspiracy. One <laughs> element of the conspiracy that they don't go into on Jack Kennedy is this, how did you get rid of Jack Ruby? And yep. this is it. Yeah. They took that's, his little, well, instead of shooting him. That's so fascinating. Because yeah. he shows up, you know, for decades at the most opportune decades. moments, you know, decades. <laughs> the satanic panic, the yeah, hippies, the cults, pedophilia, you know, over and over and over. Oh, all that stuff. That's what the false memory syndrome was, was like denying pedophile groups, right? Wasn't that part right. of the offshoot? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think one of them like testified literal, out. Yeah, no. You had literal, like, pedophile activist i would call him a uh, uh, ralph underwager um this guy uh did an interview with Patika, a dutch journal of pedophilia about how you know uh as a theologist i believe that pedophiles can boldly and courageously affirm their love and it's like dude what and this is a guy who was an expert witness on like 250 uh, child abuse cases. Right. And so he also have... he also believed that most uh, that most cases of abuse um, were not harmful to the child, and that uh, most of the ones that were reported were not true. Um, he was also one of the founders of Vocal Victims of Child Abuse Laws, which Vocal was involved in, like trying to get rid of mandatory reporting laws in Florida. You know, just like this is this is. Wow who they're working with um just some really really sick folks um james randy uh the amazing randy who's the guy that you know uh right uh, worked so hard to debunk yuri geller another uh you know for a brief time basically working with the cia at sri um but yeah you know it's uh, uh it's it it, it seems like science fiction, a lot of this stuff. Yes. Uh, it, it, yeah. sounds, it sounds crazy. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote an article about MKUltra back in like 2003 or 2004. I remember it closed off. I was all, you know, hopeful about how, you know, if only more awareness was raised about MKUltra, then, you know, then what? Then we'd have a Netflix series called Stranger Things, which is a huge hit. And nothing would change because even more people would be convinced that it was a silly idea that couldn't have been real. You know, like uh, the, the the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson, right. you know, and it even has the the catcher in the rye reference, you know. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. You know, the controller like, handbook that people people. Don't right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Catcher in the rye was Chapman. Who else had catcher in the rye? It was somebody else. I can't remember. But that guy was but, yeah, military yeah. intelligence, the writer. Oh, the right Salinger, yeah, Salinger, yeah. yeah, and and you know, I, I think that uh, if you look at the Joker movie, even the Joker movie is that same. It's it's an update on the Catcher in the Rye story, you know, the story of a 
uh, a discontent uh, of society who's, you know, everything's fake, everything's phony, just seeking some kind of connection and something genuine. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think I think that kind of person uh, makes a really good, useful idiot, unfortunately, you know, because if, if you got somebody who really believes, who's a true believer, um, you know, people will listen to them, people will follow them. So, you know, I, I, I think they like the idea of that catcher in the rye archetype. That's one of the kind of people that they go after. Oh, interesting. This is probably one of the more famous books about mind control, Walter Bauer's book, with a foreword by Richard Condon, who wrote The Manchurian Candidate, right? Mm. Oh, you know really? That? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. No, he wrote The Manchurian Candidate. So, but I mean, the, I mean, we can get into that. That whole story is incredible because Richard Condon wrote The Manchurian Candidate. The movie was made by, uh, I can't remember the director. Do you remember who directed The Manchurian Candidate? Oh, no, I don't. Not off the uh, top of my head. But the director of The Manchurian Candidate, do you know who was at his house before the shooting uh, of, GF, of RFK? No. RFK. But the direct, yeah, the director of Manchurian Candidate, it's uh, the old one, the 1962 one, uh -huh. was John Frankenheimer. And so John Frankenheimer oh, literally had RFK over at his house the night or the night before RFK was killed by a mind control assassin. And the book is wow. about a mind control assassin yeah. killing a presidential candidate. To kill the president. You yeah, can't exactly. write that. It's <laughs> off the charts. It's the true story. Frankenheimer drove RFK to the Ambassador Hotel. You know, I sometimes wonder um, the, the 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 Discordians. That's that's another uh, case that that gets tied into the uh, the Kennedy assassination because Carrie Thornley, the founder of this counterculture group was friends with Oswald. Um, but like the Discordians, it's Operation Mind F-word, I'll say. Uh, but Operation Mind F-word, I really do believe that they used the counterculture to like kind of, you know, work on this surreal angle because some of this stuff is just so flat out ridiculous that that your your brain does not want to accept it as possible because it is. It's just too... Like, it, it sounds silly. Well, there's these Nazis who worked with the CIA on mind control, and then they did a bunch of a set. That sounds, that sounds absolutely Looney Tunes. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's part, I think that's part of it. Um, they, they ensure that some of this stuff does seem so outlandish that it's easy, you know, it's, it's, it's right. easy to discount it. Right. I agree with that. The other one, the other guy was you and Cameron. That's who I was thinking about in Canada. Oh, wow, yeah. You ever hear that? I mean, those are the stories of the psychic driving. He was literally trying to erase people's brains. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, there were, there were people who, you know, oh, they got a little mild anxiety or a touch of depression. And then they go into the, uh, 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 you know, signing to see a doctor. And next thing you know, they're in a corner in a straitjacket drooling on themselves. And 40 years later... 
you know, their family members can't touch them or they, right. you know, go into uh, uh, shocks and seizures. It's, you know, it, and bear in mind, Cameron was the head of the World Psychiatric Association for a time, was the head of the American Psychiatric Association, was head of the Canadian Psychiatric Association. Um, the Hoffman Report, there's a, you know, I, I recommend people look into the Hoffman Report. It's, uh, it, it goes into some of what the APA did to skirt ethics, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, inter enhanced interrogation, read torture in Guantanamo Bay. Um, cause a lot of this stuff that was involved in MK ultra, this stuff was used, uh, as what we, what we now call enhanced interrogation, i.e. torture. A lot of that stuff grew out of MK ultra research. Wow. wow. That's crazy. I mean, it's just a huge, massive problem. I thought I was showing on the screen. I thought I was showing this book. I wasn't, but this is probably one of the more important books about mind control. Or maybe it's Marxist. Maybe it's the search for the Manchurian candidate. This is another good one. And Marx and Marchetti too. The uh, um, the the cult of intelligence. Yeah, I've heard of Marchetti's book. Did he go into mind control in that book? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. This one just came out this year. I tried to get this guy to come on my show, but oh yeah, the Gottlieb book. Yeah, yeah. Stephen King. Gottlieb is another character. He was a. Uh, club-footed folk dancer who was basically addicted to goat's milk. I mean, it Whoa. sounds like a, it sounds like a schizophrenic James Bond. Like right. these are Bond villains. I'm an evil scientist. I'm an evil mad scientist who conducts, you know, uh, uh, West uh, West dosed himself up on LSD at the same time as giving an elephant so much LSD right. that his heart exploded. That's like, right. We this killed is not what normal people do. Uh, it, a weird thing about West, by the way, um, you know, if you've seen, if you've ever seen him speak, uh, I saw, I saw, I was watching a video recently or rewatching where he's talking about Scientology. He makes a joke about how all oh, the Scientologists say I'm with the CIA, but they also say I'm with the KGB. I guess that makes me a double agent. And I find that really cute because he doesn't say he's not CIA during that. Which, you know, like it's 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 undeniable that he worked with the CIA. That's that's declassified knowledge. OK, um, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, West and Gottlieb, these guys are like they're large. They're, they're cartoonishly evil. But at yeah. the same time, like I uh, I remember seeing on, on one of the cover sheets, the facts cover sheet, and uh, he's got pinned in there something about can you make make me up a few extra of these? Uh, with no addresses attached, and his secretary just writes in all caps, "No!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Ex it's cute, right? It's it's humanizing. Jolly, you know, one of the letters somebody says, "Dear Jolly," he was called Jolly. He was kind of a jolly guy. He was, you know, uh, uh, he was a humorous guy. Uh, it blows my mind that like you've got these people doing these awful things and then they go home to the and and you know yeah. uh, they kiss their wife and yeah they're uh, like Nazi know, they, Nazi concentration camp doctors like Mengele. Yeah. They go back, oh they, it's another day at work. I'm gonna go poison some people and then rape right. their friends. 
and then, then afterwards, you know, you, you yeah. go to church on Sunday and then yeah. you uh, coach the little league softball game. It's just, it's mind blowing. It really uh, is. It really like, is. Mind control is mind blowing. These guys yeah. live very normalized. And I think it's interesting if you take the real broad angle lens that these psychiatrists were treating people and helping them with their problems at the same time they were fronts for CIA mind control experiments. Mm. So like, <laughs> there may be just one guy, oh, you know, today I'm, I'm helping somebody who has postpartum depression or somebody is losing a loved one. And then they would get treated with mind control, you know, like that's what happened with you and Cameron. But yeah. how many other stories are there where these guys like crossed ethical lines and manipulated them? We don't oh, know. yeah, yeah. Because they, you they, know, they, they yeah, it's puppeteering tons of people. It was like a puppet, puppeteering show. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I found something kind of interesting. There's uh, uh, Dr. Heath uh, was was approached. This is one of the first guys. He pioneered using uh, implanting electrodes in the brain. Uh, and this is a guy, Dr. Heath at Tulane. The CIA comes to him after a symposium in New Orleans in November of 1962, New Orleans. So, you know, you've got uh, at the same time as Lee Harvey Oswald is picking up his pro-Cuba pamphlets from the office of ex-FBI and CIA anti-Cuba people. Uh, at the same time and places that's going on, you've got Dr. Heath. And uh, what's ironic is this guy's a pretty controversial figure because he uh, he also pioneered uh, electroshock uh, used as, you know, uh, uh, on homosexuals for, you know, like reprogramming homosexuals into being straight or trying to. Uh, and even this guy who was willing to shock uh, gay people straight, he uh, he just felt it was absolutely, the quote is, abhorrent, abhorrent. I took the stand. If I were going to be a spy, I'd be a spy. I wanted to be a doctor and practice medicine. He felt it was, you know, a violation of Hippocratic Oath, which we don't even need to bring Hippocrates into this. This right. is, you know, this is um basic ethical considerations you just you don't right. ruin people's lives and minds you know that's that's basic stuff which right. once again i you know uh it's it's so weird to me that the same guy west the same guy who is claiming that he's against cults because of the things that they do to people right. right and i'm like this that's is what the whole doing for decades Philip, that's the whole thing that's so remarkable is that he's against the things, but he's writing papers about the use of it. Yeah, right, so exactly. look, there's another one. It's hallucinations, behavior, experience, and theory. He is discussing selective drug prohibition, but he's also saying these things can be used as manipulation. Yep. Selected components of the population, such as members of certain minority groups or organizations, can be targeted. Control can be through prohibition or supply. Total or even partial yep. prohibition of drugs gives the government considerable leverage of other types of control. Right. And that's an, that, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another point of the cultural control factor. Right. Uh, you know, John John Potash's book, Drugs as, Weapon Against, uh, as right. Weapons Against Us, I highly recommend that. Uh, because once again, the, the, the sale and use of, uh, of drugs, the deployment of certain drugs, that's a big part of the cultural and societal control element of, uh, of, of mind control. You know, it's, it's right. once again, it's not all about hypnosis and LSD. Sometimes it's as simple as you get people 
in a desperate addicted space uh, space or in a certain mindset and they are more easily controlled right. um you know one the, of the, the examples is this whole situation with covid is a perfect example of living oh, through yeah. that they were oh, using yeah. the most vicious from mind control techniques shaping controlling information i mean no violence but just incredible yeah. control, looting. I mean, massive wealth transference. It benefited the mm -hmm. all these small businesses went down. Mind control. Yeah, yeah. Really that, that, that's yeah. that's another thing that it's 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 a huge like trillions disappeared from the uh, right. uh, working and middle class at the same time as the trillion dollar uh, businesses had their best two years. Right. You know, it's uh, I I don't think that's a that's a coincidence. And yes, absolutely, the the whole COVID thing, um, it's 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 a marvelous, uh, you know, it, it's a masterclass in in subtle conditioning and control. control. And you know, Social that's another thing. The, like uh, Edward Bernays and Ivy Lee. You know, Ivy Lee is William S. Burroughs's uh, uncle. Uh, you know, the PR and marketing. Uh, are a form of mind control. You know, right. why, why do you think, why do you think an American PR firm uh, got a Kuwaiti princess to stand in front of Congress and CNN making up an absolutely invented story about how she was a nurse and the Iraqis were pulling babies from incubators. Right. And then George Bush repeated the false story. That was literally Knowlton Hill PR firm. Right. They, you know, so... Uh, that's the manufacture of consent, so to speak, for the 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 Gulf War. Uh, Can we listen to Jolly West? Yeah, you're right. Let's listen to Jolly West for a few minutes. Oh yeah. He's a he's listed here as a human rights activist. Oh, this is Mark Bunker's video, then. Yeah. yeah. Look at this clapping too. This guy is about as sinister <laughs> as it gets. Thank you, Hannah, for that extraordinary introduction. I think we do have a lot in common. I might even have been followed by lots of cars, vans, and motorcycles, but in Los Angeles, who would notice? character who says, sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, bears yet a precious jewel in its head. As you know, I had a little bit of adversity um, here um, during the noon hour, but something very good came out of it. I missed my lunch. <laughs> He's good. He knows kind of one of the elements of a good speech is always start off with a couple uh -huh. of jokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he is a funny, charming guy. That's what yeah, makes he, it so scary. Yeah, he looks like kind of like your uh, uncle who starts drinking exactly. at 3 p.m. Yeah. Like he's, he's a funny, jolly guy. Yeah, jolly. Um, I realize uh, I was um, a bit of a fanatic. 
but what's a fanatic? It's just somebody who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. <laughs> Is it just me or does his pattern not remind you of L. Ron Hubbard too? Yeah. He has well, it's it's that too. same kind of pattern. It's that same yeah. rye wit. Uh, it's it's really it's really ironic considering he was one of the early anti Scientology uh, advocates. Yeah, and he's probably because he was probably giving them all their information. Uh, uh-huh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Parted ways at the local police department. Each of us having conducted a citizen's arrest upon the other. <laughs> What I said to him was, uh, son, when you decide to leave this outfit, come and see me. <laughs> and I never dreamed at the time that I would be following the evolution of this group for the next 40 years. But uh, I've learned a lot. And I'd like to be able to share it all with you but I can't compress 40 years of uh, information gathering into this short hour. What I'll try to do then is to concentrate on what I have whimsically called the Scientology Wars. And those of you who are interested in uh, the uh, nuts and bolts of what goes on, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know what to talk about on this one. I don't. I have, probably should have watched it, but it seems like there's two parts of this thing of him chatting. But uh, yeah. At, at some point in one of these is where he makes the joke about how oh, the Scientologists say that I'm CIA, but they also say I'm KGB. I guess that makes me a double agent. And in it, and, and the crowd goes wild. Everybody right. laughs. But they, and, see, they don't know the totality of what he was up to, right? Yeah. He. What I love though is that he doesn't deny it. Interesting. He doesn't have to. He just makes it sound ridiculous. That's mind control. There you go. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. The way he works a crowd is subtle right. mind control. Right. You know. Uh, it's like, I, I, I do like, I, I can't help it. I find these guys like a, a, at first, you know, on the one hand, they are cartoonishly evil, but it's more than that. I like, you know, I, I think the fact that like at one point when I, when I started to think about, like I said, the fact that these people had families, these people went to church, these people, you know, uh, volunteered in their communities. It's, that makes it so much scarier that they're not just monsters. You know, there's right. something so much scarier about the fact that they seemed like normal people and and they weren't just just evil monsters. They were also evil monsters. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible how they got away with all that all through secret. I mean, it's classic freaking CIA stuff. You corrupt them mm. from the inside. There's some law yeah. and mind control. Ritual abuse page. Yeah, I've come across this website. This is actually a very, very good, well-researched website right here. It's uh, Ritual Abuse US. It actually proves like there, there is ritual abuse. I don't think it's that common. But oh, yeah, good. yeah. I, I believe that it's incredibly rare. But just look at, okay, take any um, serial killer's 
uh, life story. You know what I'm saying? Like whether it's uh, Ed Gein or Henry Lee Lucas or or whoever, like that's basically textbook ritual abuse in a lot of those cases. You know, right, like right. Uh, and and there's an element of generational uh, right. ritual abuse and torture in those cases. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's just point oh oh one percent. I mean, like. It didn't matter for COVID. Why should it matter for ritual abuse? You know? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he tried to he tried to get a Nike missile base to become a like a place for him to do his center for the prevention of violence. You ever hear that story? Oh, no. no. Yeah, so he tried to. I'll read this letter. He sent it to a military guy, Stubblebine. Quote, I am in possession of confidential information that the Army is prepared to turn over Nike missile bases to state and local agencies for non-military purposes. They may, may look with special favor on health-related applications. Such a Nike missile base is located in the Santa Monica Mountains within a half hour's drive of the Neuro Neuropsychiatric Institute. It is accessible but relatively remote. The site is securely mm -hmm. fenced and includes various buildings and improvements, making it suitable for prompt occupancy. If this site will were made available to the Neuropsychiatric Institute as a research facility, perhaps initially as an adjunct, adjunct to the new uh, Center for the Prevention of Violence. We could put it to very good use. Comparative <laughs> studies could be carried out there in an isolated yeah. but convenient location yeah. of experimental or model programs for the alteration of undesirable behavior. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to be put away in, in the bunker. That's for yeah, sure. Dude. The it's bunker a, near, a near Dr. Jolly's office. Yeah, it's yeah. a clockwork orange, man. Yeah. That's what they were going to do. What is there? They called it the Ludovic method, I think, in clockwork orange, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Oh, so the guy, Sarah Connor says, the guy that killed Rebecca Schaefer had um catcher in the right, too. Wow. Uh. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I also have another one. This was another Jolly West story that I found, which is from Hearst, Patty Hearst. Quote, when the first of the psychiatrists came to see me on September 30, 30th, just 11 days after my arrest, I simply crumbled under his scrutiny. I cried, murmuring and mumbling out replies that were not answers to his questions. He thought I was refusing to cooperate with him. This was Dr. Lewis Jollyan West chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at UCLA, an internationally recognized expert in his field. I thought he had a creepy hypnotic voice, a tall, okay. heavyset man who appeared to be kindly. I suspected Jolly of being too smooth, too soothing to be trusted. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I kept thinking about, like, every time I see him and his little Jolly expression, I imagine being, you know, underground, on on a sheet of acid right with a light in your face but like in a dark you know? room with a light in your face or something yeah yeah like i i would rather somebody just do conventional torture i think than right. be you know in a room with dr jolly laughing right. <laughs> you know philip i'd just I'm like to start i would just acid. like to start yeah. by asking you a few questions yeah yeah no just kill me just yeah. just torture me or kill me or something I'm, don't i'm not here me. as an adversary i'm here as a friend <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. really great book about patty hurst is revolutions end by brad schreiber i cannot recommend that book enough it's awesome it's a great piece of investigative reporting but she knew like i mean the symbionese liberation army was probably part of operation chaos it uh, mm -hmm. probably was just developed out of the, 
you know, military intelligence or something like that. And the guy Quincy was, uh, was de developed. He was just, you know, a guy who was created and they, they gave him kind of like the software for the Symbionese Symbionese liberation army came out and he just fronted it. And one of the interesting things about Kinsey, or I think that was his name, uh, was that no black, no African-Americans followed his group. It was all, uh, unsuspecting kind of white left wingers. Yeah. Like, cause the African-Americans sniffed him out. They thought that something wasn't right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's what Brad says. And it's in the book. It's a really good book. And I, I, you can kind of see that same stuff with Operation Chaos and all these other things. The weird things were going on in, in California in the 60s and 70s. Very oh, yeah. Important. Well, Chaos and COINTELPRO, uh, infiltration and influence ops were once again a big part of the more subtle form of mind control. You don't have to just like turn someone into a zombie uh, to, to mind control them. Like I think, so I think probably the most effective mind control are is subtle influence. It's when you think you came up with the idea yourself, you know. It's it's shaping all uh, all the way all the information that's coming in in order uh, to have a specific outcome. That's you know that's one of the means of of cultural control that that I believe that the so called mind control research was was interested in. I agree. I agree. I think that they puppeteered people, see how effective it was. Imagine mm -hmm. some of these guys watching the news stories. You know, if you remember, there was only ABC, CBS and NBC back in the day. Imagine just having yeah. that power of the only three choices <laughs> to uh, have. And they're just puppeteering it. How does how does the public? And I think they're still doing it to this day with uh, control groups and tests. Those are all mind control. How does this oh, yeah. phrase sound? Does surge sound better than much more war or, you know, uh, doubling down yeah. what phrase is better. And then they work it on everybody. So well, what scares me is here's another uh, aspect of MK ultra that I don't think gets enough play. The connection to cybernetics, uh, you know, the connection to counterculture and cults, very interesting, but so yeah. is the connection to DARPA uh, and, and the, uh, the ARPANET and, you know, uh, Yasha Levine's book, uh, uh, surveillance Valley is really excellent in regards to like the connection between military intelligence and uh, and the formulation of the internet. The the internet was designed as a counterinsurgency tool, and that's how it's still being used. Uh, what was fact, the name of that book again? Uh, surveillance Valley by Yasha Levine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, that's you know, the, the internet started out as as a counterinsurgency tool, and that's still how it's being used. Um, you know, we the CIA uh, and and this huge like big data firm have some of the largest behavioral personality profiles in existence that have been gathered from the internet. And you know, the, the where the cybernetics element gets really scary to me is when you start thinking about quantum computing and algorithms and what they can do with that wide of a data set. And the more they learn about what, you know, well, a nudge this way does this, a nudge that way does that. And, you know, uh, these these algorithms are going to build on themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue of computing power for now, but... Uh, you know, I don't know if I buy the whole like, you know, uh, Nick Bostrom and the simulation and the matrix theory, but but honestly, 
when it gets down to the point where we're being micromanaged to the level of, you know, what ads you see and right. what posts you see do the algorithm and all of this is being shaped specifically for you because, right. the, you know, the big panopticon, the eye in the sky, you know, it's right. that's that's a really scary thought to me. Uh, you know, I, that's I don't like being on Facebook. Look at Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. You're you, they yeah. know you. I don't know, yeah. man. Cambridge, Facebook, yeah, whatever, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of problems there, dude. There's tons of problems there. Those, I mean, though, they, they know so much about, about these people that, yeah. I mean, uh, is Facebook a CIA operation? Is it part of MK Ultra? Right. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the timing on LifeLog was pretty uh, coincidental for sure. Cause, you know, the NSA was going to do the LifeLog program. And they shut it down at the same time as Facebook, uh, the Facebook becomes Facebook and allows non-college students to join up. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely more than a little coincidental, in in my opinion. Uh, But like the way I look at it is if you think about like the history of espionage for years and years and years and the, the 20th century is all about spies not having to be in the same room with you more and more so right right and now it's finally gotten to the point where spies don't even have to go outside because everybody just drops their info in this little box this little box that they put in their pocket this little box that records their video and audio at any moment you know uh there's back doors and everything yeah uh, Google, Google's, uh, uh, it was don't be evil was their whole guiding principle. Right. Yeah. And then they become alphabet incorporated. They become alphabet corporation. Right. And of course, when I think alphabet, I think, you know, the classic term, the alphabet agencies, NSA, CIA, DOD, uh, DCI, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's, I mean, like, I, I almost feel like that was just them kind of having a laugh at our expense, you know, because right. they, they dropped Don't Be Evil at the same time they became Alphabet, the Alphabet agencies, uh, which, you know, here's the thing. If the Internet had stayed under the auspices of the government, a lot of the spying they did, they do, would be illegal. But it's not under the government anymore. Now right. it's a public uh, uh, you know, it's it's owned by right. corporations. Amazon and Microsoft own all the infrastructure of the Internet, and they're working closely with the CIA and the NSA. So, yeah, all these social media companies, all the big uh, tech firms are working very closely uh, with these people. And uh, and, and like I said, the, the idea of uh, public relations and marketing, that's a bigger part of this whole story than I think a lot of people are aware Right. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I don't, I don't think they know the enorm- the average person doesn't understand the enormity of the kind of cultural creation. Of yeah. The, yeah. The people don't get why. Why is it that people spend billions of dollars on ads each year? Huh? Why right. indeed? Probably yeah. because it's a waste of money and trillionaires love wasting money. No, I don't think that's it. <laughs> right. No, it's a good point. Really good point. This I mean, is some reason why you know some of the the best paid psychiatrists and psychologists in the world, they don't work healing brains, they don't work healing right. minds, they don't right. work healing hearts. No, they work in marketing or 
uh, in the private sector doing some kind of weaponized research of some sorts. Did, did you see the, you know, talk about DARPA, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that was being worked on like 50 years ago, 60 years ago, is really coming to fruition in the consumer world. Did you see the the depression brain implant that uh, they did a study uh, or, you know, they did an experiment that this is what really gets me. Like every major newspaper was talking about it for a couple of days, despite the fact that it was an N equals one study, meaning this was one person, one person had this implant and it worked for them, which like that, that is big news. Like, uh, but like, once again, how applicable is this across the board? If you're only doing this for one person uh, and, and also, you know, I'm sorry, but I do not trust uh, electrodes in my brain. I, I, I don't want yeah, pass. Uh, you know, uh, a control switch in my head, please. This has yeah. got, you know, Dr. Jose Delgado was, was right. one of the guys who was wanted to use, you know, electromagnetic frequencies and electrode stimulation. Uh, the term psycho civilized, that's another one of those creepy euphemisms that you'll see over and over again in this kind of, you know, in the uh, declassified academic literature and, and academic literature. But uh, Towards a Psycho Civilized Society was the name of uh, Jose Delgado's book. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't trust this research. And you know what's sad is there's a potential for good things to come from this. I was on the Program to Chill podcast, and the host is telling me about uh, the Wendell Johnson and the monster experiments where they, you know, they, they abused these war orphans, uh, and they had, you know, one group that, uh, that, you know, they gave commendation to and, and worked with in a positive way, and another they just, like, you know, uh, did whatever they could to make them uh, unable to, you know, they, they gave people stutters and slurs and all kinds of things. And sure. some of these were permanent. Now, the sad and scary thing is that the Wendell Johnson lab, uh, you know, at the, I think it's University of Iowa, uh, you know, they still have the, the lab named after him at that, at that university. And what's sad is like some of that, some of those awful experiments, we learned some valuable things and we're able to help people, but at what cost, you know, like, I just right. don't, I just don't believe that it's like, well, we can sacrifice one person for the common good. Surely. No, I don't think we should sacrifice people's humanity and, and mental health and wellness uh, just so that a few other hypothetical people in the future have a better life. No, there's, there's got to be a better way. I agree with that. <clears throat> what another fact about West is he received an immense amount of funds. He in between 74 and 89, he received $5 million from the federal government in grants channeled through the National Institute of Mental Health, a major funding conduit for CIA. And then more money poured into the UCLA Neuro Neuropsychiatric Institute, yeah. which was $14 million in yeah. one year before he stepped out. So these are where's that money going? What do you need all that money for? You know, it's it's off the charts. The the client centered therapy guy Carl Rogers, uh, you know the uh, it was also called uh, third wave psychology. Carl Rogers received uh, uh, like uh, initially received thirty thousand dollars from the CIA. Uh, one of the folks that worked with him was was say, oh yeah, no, I didn't realize we were working with the CIA. 
Rodgers, however, uh, admitted that he did. Uh, and I think the money Rodgers was getting was through Orn at uh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, Martin Orn, once again, also tied to the Human Ecology Fund and, and, uh, uh, and CIA. But yeah, you know, some of these some of these folks, you know, they'll tell you, no, I didn't work with the CIA. Some of them knew. Some of them, I think, didn't know. Uh, like guys like uh, Tim Leary, though, you know, it, it's 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 so crazy to think that like the one of the central figures in the counterculture creation and psychedelic culture creation isn't admitted witting CIA patsy. Right. He admitted that he was used by the CIA. But, I mean, think about it. He was on the top 10, mo- he was on the FBI's most wanted list right. uh, uh, for, for drugs, you know? And then he just, like, escaped from prison. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> this right. guy, a Harvard, a geeky Harvard professor on acid escaped from, from prison. No, he didn't. I mean, like, he did, but only because he had help. You know, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I can understand why he would want to work with the feds. It was that or lifetime in prison. Yeah, I, I can understand where he was coming from with that. And at least he was eventually uh, kind of came clean about the whole thing. I, I do wonder, like, you know, in his head, how he justified that trying to be like this uh, figurehead for for psychic freedom, while at the same time working with the people who are trying to absolutely clamp down on, you know, any sort of behavioral uh, self-control. Yeah, no, you're right. What do you think about, like, the Hare Krishnas? Do you think they got kind of mind-controlled, or did they get, uh, is it some kind of just social persuasion? Do you know anything about the Hare Krishnas? Uh, you know, I, I don't know that much about them. I, you know, the they remind me a lot, if you ever heard of Zendik Farms? No. That's another, like, kind of similar little, it's, it's a little commune, and they... Uh, there's another there's another uh, sort of offshoot of uh, of you know Eastern mysticism that's uh, kind of similar to that. But yeah, I, I I would bet that especially in the 60s and 70s and 80s, uh, a lot of these you know like Esalen and you know EST and uh, the Moonies. Now we know that the Moonies were connected to the CIA. Um, you know the the, right. Oh, yeah. No the doubt. Korean yeah. CIA, which was under the auspices of the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. So, I mean, you know, we know that the Moonies uh, worked with the CIA. Uh, Dr. Ruth Wangerin believes that uh, the Children of God worked with the CIA. Um, the 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 Iranian government thinks that the Baha'i are possibly uh, either infiltrated or run by the CIA. Um, Nexium's got a lot of Scientology ties, and Scientology, oh. especially if you look at early Scientology, and you know, the, it was the classic CIA uh, dirty tricks manual played out over and over and over again. So you know, I'm I'm one of those people who uh, a, a lot of people believe that, you know, one of the few things that I agree with the Church of Scientology on is I think that L. Ron Hubbard was connected to military intelligence. Yes. So do I. So do I. And, and I think that Scientology probably started out kind of under control and then went rogue. And that's where you end up by like the late 70s. You've got Operation Snow White, 
and you've got like the FBI, FBI and IRS and senators and congressmen right. have, you know, their their offices are being infiltrated. Uh, their, their secretary and the guy sweeping up after hours are secretly Scientologists. You know, I think by that right. point in time, uh, they had definitely firmly gone rogue. But yeah, I think they were probably used. The whole idea of getting someone in a room and then recording them talk about all the bad things that they did. You know, that's that's great blackmail material. So I can definitely see them being uh, being used. Uh, you know, it, they can also be deployed globally that way. Right. Um, no, they were trying to subvert governments and stuff like that. Yeah, even the US, exactly. Yeah. So they had, yeah, they yeah. had very ambitious plans. Phil, I got to wrap it up. We're at 90 minutes. Where can people uh, reach out to you if they want to? It's through your website, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil Fairbanks, P-H-I-L-F-A-I-R-B-A-N-K-S dot com. So Phil Fairbanks dot com. And also uh, I'm Kafka guy on Twitter, uh, as in Franz Kafka, K-A-F-K-A-G-U-I. So uh, Kafka guy on Twitter or uh, Phil Fairbanks dot com. You can also reach out to me at uh, Kafka guy at gmail dot com or uh, head to the contact section on my website. Right. Uh, what, and you've been working on some other stuff too. You've been doing interviews and, uh, mm -hmm. oh, and yeah, yeah. articles. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned the Pedogate Primer, which is the first book. Um, I've, I've got another one that's still, still in need of uh, uh, the last 40 pages of editing. Um, uh, I know I've been saying that for a year uh, now. But uh, so uh, I've got one book in the works and one book waiting to be edited. Um, and uh, meanwhile, like I said, I, I try to occasionally, at least like uh, uh, one or two times a month, sometimes more, uh, I try and uh, post up at uh, the, the website there. So if you want to keep, uh, keep in contact with like the interviews and things I do, uh, that's, that's a good place to, uh, uh, to start there. Right on. And you know a lot about MKUltra. So thanks a lot for sharing. So again, uh, so author's for, name uh, is Phil Fairbanks. Yeah. Thanks so much, Phil. Take care. Uh, Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Stay there. Stay there.